host, this is Divorce Devil, episode number three. Uh, David at the mic, and I have my good friend Denise here helping out with some topics that she's going to pull from the thin air. <laughs> like That's always. talking about, yes. So say hi, Denise. Hi, Denise. Denise. <laughs> There's uh-huh. going to be a good one. Uh, Denise and I met at uh, Divorce Recovery Party. How yeah, many party. years ago? Four or five? Four. Four. Yes. At a party, and been friends ever since. It's been very interesting. It has been. It's very been a journey. Journey. So, let's let's talk about divorce recovery first. Okay, let's do it. Uh, so I met you at a divorce recovery party. You were invited by someone there who was facilitating divorce recovery, and you hadn't taken it yet. That and is correct. And even after we became friends, I kept telling you to take it, take it, take it. And you finally took it, and you became a facilitator like me. So tell me, tell me about that, Jerry. Well, first of all, the person who introduced me is also a classmate of my ex-husband, which I think is kind of interesting twist. Okay? Um, and uh, I did it for four sessions, two times as a participant and twice as a facilitator. And uh, I think that as you go through this journey, especially as a facilitator, that there will be people that you will meet along the way that will trigger a thought or an emotion. And you might realize that you're still in that journey of trying to heal and recover. I think I learned more being a facilitator than actually going through it. But I do remember you going through it twice. You had the remedial class. You had to do it again. Ha, 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 ha. Wow. I might have to do it again. Hey. Uh, I facilitated a year ago, and I I think that the best um, joy I got out of facilitating was having one of my classmates or one of my um, sponsors, whatever, become a facilitator. Right. I, I had two guys do that, which is very interesting. And Pete, who was on the last show, right. was talking. So, <clears throat> but we got to get back there. Maybe we can start our own divorce recovery seminar. Well, there we go. That's a thought. Maybe this is divorce recovery seminar. It could be. Yeah. Help somebody out there. Talking always helps. Yes. I'm a big proponent of it. So think back to when you were going through your divorce or think about divorce. What were some of the things going through your mind and how did you try to process it? How did you try, try to bring it all together and make that move? Well, I think getting to the point where I thought I'm actually going to get divorced was a journey in of itself. For me specifically, I think it was probably propelled by the fact that my mother was ill. My mother is a big factor and role in our family. I was married for 27 plus years. And as all of this was coming along, midlife, relocation, to my ex-husband's corporate office, Pennsylvania, Um, my mother getting ill. It was a bit overwhelming, and I think it took me a while to sort out that I do need to process and that I do need to file divorce because I had expectations, which is what my friend David told me about, that my spouse would be there for me through this journey. I never once thought I would take the journey of being a caregiver for my mom by myself. So I think for me personally, the alignment between the actual divorce of leaving such a long marriage for no reason, not for a reason not 
infidelity as far as I know, but for the mere fact that I was in my midlife years, the kids were gone. And when I thought my spouse would come and be my foundation, as I had always perceived myself being for him, he was not there. And that was major. You know, it's kind of like we all <clears throat> we all get married and nobody gets married thinking you're going to get divorced. You know, you never think that far down the pipe. But it does happen. It does. And, and it happens in over over 50% of marriages, which I think is astounding. But I think here in El, El Paso County, it's like 60 with the military and things like that. Right. But uh, I, I think we have walked the journey together, you know, but I, I am a big proponent of expectations. Um, you really can't be disappointed if you lower your expectations. Well, that could very well be true. And I used to believe that wholeheartedly. Now I'm at the point where I believe that I still have expectations. I still want expectations. Perhaps what I need to do personally is not create a bar or a standard for all people at the same level, but modify it according to the people who cross my path. Because nobody's going to do it like you do it. Exactly. Because there's only one Denise. Yes, and, and, and we're so fortunate to have the Wendy's here in, 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 in person with us. Thank you. But I think that um, with me, um, lowering my expectations was a, a a defense mechanism to get me through my divorce, big time. Because I went through some craziness, as my friends all know, and uh, I, I think lowering my expectations actually got me through it, along with the village and your friends and and co-workers and things like that but you got to figure out who i wouldn't say who's on your side but who's going to help you and who's who's not going to help you right well <clears throat> i think the the thought that the people who are there for you through trying times and clearly we all have to go through trying times not all of them necessarily are divorce it could be the death of a parent, the death of a child, death of a spouse, whatever. You know, there are other events that can happen to us other than just divorce that will knock us for a loop. And those people that are there for you during those times, as far as I am concerned, I will be there for them forever. Yeah, I can see that. That that really helps, you know. And, and it's kind of like having a true friend. You know, friends are there no matter what. Correct. Even when you make bad decisions <clears throat> and they don't agree with what you do, they're but, still your friend because that's, well, your, that's job. True, because, that's your job. That's true. But then, of course, you know, like the saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can coach and you can navigate and support your friends, but until they're ready to make that leap, that's all you can do. And the yeah. other thing, too, is that unless you've walked in their shoes specifically, let's say caregiving for a parent, I now realize that you can be empathetic, but you can't really say you know what it's like until you've actually Going done it. it. Yep. And, you know, your friends might have good intentions. You know, your married friends might have good intentions, but they don't know. Yep. They have no clue. And it's, and it's hard to explain unless you, you, you've been a part of that club. And then once you're in that club, you know exactly what it's like. And even though you know what it's like, you really can't explain to them because, once again, they haven't been through it. That's true. And I think, unfortunately, this is just my uh, observation of my generation, that for many of us at this point, we have accomplished and achieved a certain amount of success financially specifically. And 
that was not a factor for me personally to leave my ex because clearly I left a very comfortable life lifestyle behind. But I realized there was more to my life or there had to be more to my life than just the comfort of that with emptiness surrounding me completely. There was something missing. Yes. So have you found it? I don't know. My mom just passed away. I'm not sure. I That will be my next step in my journey. So for me personally, I've had the alignment of my mom and caring for her simultaneously while going through a divorce. And now it's just me, myself, and I. And I used to like him, <laughs> those people. Yep. So I'm thinking perhaps I still do. I just need to give myself time to figure it out. And clearly I don't have tons of time because I don't have that kind of recovery time in my with my age. But I'm not going to panic either. Oh, no. And I'm not going to settle. you got plenty of time. Yep, and I'm not going to settle, so... Well, the settle thing is a whole different story. Yes, and we'll have to discuss that as well. <laughs> on a later <laughs> On a later podcast. Yeah, but that healing thing, you know, that healing thing, the, the healing takes <clears throat> takes takes place on and on and on. It's like It's like a continual flux, that the healing never stops. That is true. Along with forgiveness, because that forgiveness factor comes up you know, once you think about something, why did he do, why did she do that? Right. And it comes back in your head again. It's, it's like a revolving door. Once you think you're done thinking about it, all of a sudden it comes and raises his ugly head. Well, I'm not quite there. I'm not focused on the forgiveness part just yet, to be honest. Although I don't wish bad upon him either. I don't think forgiveness, Yeah. Yeah, that's a... And everybody says, oh, well, you're forgiving because you're doing it for yourself. And that could very well be true. But it's it's very easy for any of us to sit here and say, you know what, David? I forgive my ex. The question is, have you really forgiven it through times where you're being tested, through those events that trigger that emotion? Um, if something was to happen now... I can't honestly say for a brief moment, maybe not as long as it used to be for me, that I would say, oh, my God, it's all because of him, and he mm -hmm. did this. So, but therefore, I don't think I've completely forgave. But since you're forgave. in that constant state of flux, it gets easier and easier over time. That is true. That is true. Just like I told you. That's right. Time e has a way. Every now and then, I'm right. Every now and then. <laughs> wow. Yep. But it's big. You know, and I think it also speaks again to our generation. It is my opinion that, <clears throat> for me specifically, on the cusp of the baby boomers, and I think our generation, you know, from the Woodstock to where we're at today, we've had a lot of money in front of us, either through our careers over time. Most of our of us or my people in my generation have inherited a fair amount of money from their parents who would be in their 80s or plus older. And I think that then created a whole new generation with these millennials, you know. And so now as I, as a middle-aged person, try to incorporate myself into a whole different generation with technology and and and, and how should I say, the short-sightedness of the generation mm -hmm. today, it's interesting. You know, it's almost like they don't want to put the work in, you know. And right. I I always say that once one person gives up, it, it, it's over. Yep. It's over. The other person can knee and claw and and cry and scream. It doesn't matter. One person gives up, it's over. Yep. And, you know. Well, first of all, I think you have to acknowledge that there's an issue. Therein lies the biggest part of the problem. 
where one person thinks there there is and one person thinks there well, isn't. Well, and listening. If you're with someone, you say, hey, listen, you know, I am, I'm sad or you're doing this or you're gone all the time or whatever the case may be. If the other person isn't hearing what's going on, there's no acknowledgement that there's a problem. If there's no acknowledgement that there's a problem, there's not going to be any correcting of it either. Yeah. Some people don't see the problem sometimes. Exactly. And thus, like you said, you can't fix it. Nope. You know, so it took me a while to get over that part or to process that because I am the rescuer. (laughs) People who've known me for 40 plus years say that about me. I believe I'm a natural nurturer and being part of that personality trait has cost me some grief. So I'm thinking perhaps what I need to do is manage some of those traits a bit better. Not get rid of them, just manage them. But it's still a positive trait. Yes, I agree. I agree. What else is there? Well, I think there's probably a lot. I think, you know. We can talk about commitment. You know, once you, go ahead. Well, you know, it's funny. Commitment came up in one of the DRW classes, actually, with one of our mutual friends. And I think commitment is easy to do in so much as I was committed to my marriage and to the relationship. I think that was an easy thing to do. I think the thing is is to realize that there's a value to your commitment and that you have to continuously work at it. That's something else. I mean, I could be committed to coming here every Wednesday to talk with you on your podcast. That's a commitment that I've taken. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to further the relationship or anything else. It just means You're going through the motions. Going through the motions. Yeah, and I don't want a filler either. <laughs> the, <laughs> the infamous filler. Oh, yeah, yeah, because that's easy. And and then this makes for another interesting conversation. The, the, the interpretation or the perception of divorce and how it affects one, I think, is very gender-based. I think oh, how definitely. men process divorce oh, and gosh, loneliness yes. yep. is way different than women. I think women, unfortunately, being the superior being... Um, are okay with being by themselves. <clears throat> I think less women are worried about filling that spot, that void that has been created as men are. I don't think that's correct. In my in my defense or in my journey, I have seen women that try to fill that void quicker than men do. Really? Yes. Who are those two women? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, she's on a roll. I am. I yeah. am. But no, I, I think in general, I think women try to fill that void more so than than, than men. I think that dep- depends on perhaps Especially where age, they're at, their age. age uh, where they're at in, in their lifestyle, their their job. Uh, are the kids gone? There's so many factors that, <clears throat> right. that, that play into that. Uh, you, know, you know, do they have the mindset that my biological clock is ticking? Think things like that. I don't think men's clock tick. No, they don't. I think men just want to be taken care of. I I I think it's a big one step. I want to be taken care of. Women, there's multiple steps. My clock is ticking. The kids are gone. There's all these factors that that play in. Men are simple. Men's like, hey, take care of me. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, men. I just dimed you out. 
Well, and if that's the case, then it comes, are you settling or are you actually being cared for by somebody you want to have care for you? Hmm. It, it gets thicker. I Dang. know. <laughs> it's it's kind of like an onion. You just you keep just pulling off it. the layers. At some point, we're going to get to the, the center of all of it. So at what point do you realize that you just settling? Is selling bad? I think that's a question of, of interpretation or perception. Yeah. For me, at this juncture, settling would be bad because for all the things, otherwise I could have just stayed in my relationship. Correct. I left for various reasons. And then at some point for a personal expectation, which I don't want to lower, that I would have somebody as a partner who would give me what was lacking in my in my marriage. Yeah. And if I can't have that, I have found it might not by, be ideal. Do I have moments where I get lonely and wouldn't it be nice to lay in bed with someone? Absolutely. But not enough to have so, somebody lay next to me again who I don't want to have them there. Yep. Yeah. Not even, not even, not even if it's part time. <laughs> <laughs> not part-time, even if it's part time. Rental lease. You know, not even lease if it's to own. <laughs> you can't give me a bone here. No. Nothing. Oh no, my gosh. Nope. But that's me. That doesn't yeah. mean everybody's like yeah. that. Because what I've realized is that all the things that I thought was unique about me as a young woman are still there, and people still like that about me. I just haven't nurtured it over the last few decades. Because you were, you were married and you lived a life with him and that was it. I've either been somebody's wife or somebody's mom for a very yeah. long time and not that that's bad and I'm not saying that it is. It's just that, you know, now that my mom's passed away, I sit here and I think, man, I can do anything. What is it? Time. And I'm kind of dumbfounded. Time management. Mm -hmm. You have way more time on your hands. Yep. What about the kid factor? You know, your kids are older. Uh, there, there's kids out there. Um, I told somebody once at a divorce recovery seminar, she asked me, she said, um, at what age should you tell the kids that you're going through a divorce? And I looked at her, I said, man, kids already know. Kids know. Most of the time they know. They know it, and they're also in denial of it because yeah. who would want to bring that to the forefront? Yeah. Why you know you know my parents are going to separate? They don't want to. They don't want to think about that. But deep down inside, they know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And the ironic part is, is that people are always so worried about younger kids. I realized that my kids were in their early twenties. How much it impacted them. Yep. So I think the moral of this story is that it will impact everyone, regardless of the age. But but I think the younger the age, I think the less of impact it is. Well, because you have yeah. you have less time yeah. together, and then you get used to the to the uh, going back and forth between mom and dad's house. You know, it becomes just commonplace. It, it becomes just just a norm. Exactly, that you're used to. it is more so, common. Yeah, because my kids started doing it uh, high school, and man, it was a huge adjustment. Yep, especially for me, more so than them, but huge adjustment. You it know, is. seeing them because we did week on week off. And uh, I saw him one week, and the next week I didn't see him. That was hard. Yep. Hard, hard, hard. I agree. I agree. And, and you know, it, it's funny. Having been brought up in Europe, in Germany specifically, um, I have some friends who 
I've known for 40 plus years, one girlfriend in particular, who says I'm too involved with my kid's life. Now, I don't come from a background where at 18, you sever your relationship and push them out into the world. Mm -hmm. So I have chosen to do for my kids what my mom and dad did for me. And I was, I never questioned that I couldn't come home anytime I wanted to, regardless of my age. And clearly I came back in my fifties, you know? So what I am saying is that as I go forward and I think about what I want to do for myself, clearly uh, on some level, I still make decisions to a certain degree on how things would impact my kids, you know? But, you know, they say things happen for a reason. You know, you came home, you were able to take care of your mom, give her quality of life for a, a few years. So things happen for a reason. They do. They yeah. do. And and like I said, for me, it also allowed me to tap into my own mortality. You know what I'm saying? Age does not discriminate against ethnicity, against gender, against age. Getting old happens to all of us. And I learned a lot through this journey. You know, my mom taught me a lot about what I would want to do, possibly, or not to do. What to expect when you get older. And since we can't predict, and every perfect plan has a glitch in it. You know what I'm saying? You can have the insurance lined up and this and that, and then they have what they call life that gets involved. And, you know, it just goes from there. You know, it's kind of like the perfect divorce. You know, you got two people that that decide, okay, we're getting divorced. Let's do this, that, and the other. Every now and then, there's a glitch in that. You know, yep. one one person gets mad about something, and boop, you you got lawyers involved. Yep. And the, and the lawyers make the money. Absolutely, absolutely. Or as in my divorce, you have my ex who's living with his girlfriend that he dated twice, and had my kids keep that information from me. So you know, I think what happens with all of that is the price he will have to pay is still yet to come because that that had a big impact on my children. The divorce was one thing yep. that it's, added another dimension to it. It's kind of like the O.J. Simpson thing, you know. I call it O.J. Simpson karma. You know, things come around and the universe always writes itself. Yeah, you know. You might not see it today or tomorrow, nope. but I I believe in justice and sometimes you're privy to see it, you know. Hey, here comes the slow white Bronco. Man. We're going to keep this short today. Okay. Thank you very much, Denise, for hanging out and well, thank eating you for fish having me. and corn and hanging out with me on a Wednesday. And, you bet. And we'll have you over again, and we'll, we'll have like a round table. We're going to get uh, Jeannie's going to come. Oh, very good. That'd be interesting. Maybe yep. Skinny Scott or Thick Scott. And oh, there we go. All that stuff. So Perfect. All right, everybody. Good night. Have a nice evening. Have a nice Thank you, David. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.